0: Hello and welcome to an episode of the Big Fundamental Podcast, a San Antonio Spurs podcast from Ken's Five, the official TV station of the San Antonio Spurs. My name is Tom Petrini. I'm here with Evan Klosky. Evan, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well, and we're riding just a couple of us. And so, you know, whenever you and I are doing this thing alone without Jacksonian here to help guide us, um, buckle in.
0: Could be a three hour episode, watch out. Gotta be a talker for sure. Uh, <laughs> Jackson, I think is busy. He got some dad glasses that are new.
1: Yeah. Uh, good, and good. I
0: was I was preparing to not even roast, but compliment cause he kind of looks like, like it's, it's the frames from the hacker and die hard one. Uh, Theo that's <laughs> like, well, you didn't bring me along for my charming personality. Mm. Uh, and uh, they look great on him. We love you Jackson, we miss you. Yeah. Um, let's talk some Spurs. The San Antonio Spurs kind of surprised a lot of people um, by opening their post-All-Star break uh, stretch of games before they took on the Mavericks in their first game. Coach Popovich announced that LaMarcus Aldridge is not with the team and they are working to move him somewhere else. Um, And so the LaMarcus Aldridge era is over in San Antonio, um we we're going to talk a little bit later about potential destinations and trade versus buyout what's what's more likely but Evan first your thoughts on just uh you know Aldridge's impact here in San Antonio and um you know where where they go from here
1: yeah so first off I really do hope that people speak fondly of LaMarcus Aldridge I think Overall, he has not gotten a fair shake from the fan base ever since the, the trade request that him and Pop hashed out. He is still to this date the only true superstar talent to choose San Antonio in free agency. That means a lot. Um, mostly the Spurs have to draft superstars and, and really develop talent, and that guy chose the spurs and for that he should always hold a special place in every spurs fan's heart um look he thinks that he can still play more and shouldn't be coming off the bench i love that the spurs stuck to their guns here and said hey for us to be successful as a team it is for you to take a step back having said that we're going to do right by you and we'll make sure that you can find a role elsewhere to a do a little bit more and B probably have a better chance to win a championship as his career is, is coming to a close, uh, not necessarily at the end of this year, but he probably only has a couple of years left. You know, when we watched Paul Gasol with the Spurs, um, it was, Hey, very effective player into, Oh my goodness, you cannot play him on the court anymore. And then he went to Milwaukee and I remember him playing the Spurs the first game, and the Spurs just ran right through him. They're like, "Oh, they pick and we, rolled him
0: to death." We we, ha-
1: we know exactly what is going to happen here. Um, I think
0: I think he played for ten minutes in that game, and they scored about forty points. Well, yeah, there. it
1: was like <laughs> I remember crazy. that so vividly. It was like the Spurs were like, "Yes, yes,"
0: <laughs> um, uh,
1: but, but I
0: uh, I think yeah, I think that you you hit the nail on the head that it was a huge deal when he came here, right? Like that summer there were everybody and their mother wanted to sign Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, And one of the reasons that he came to San Antonio was to win. And I think another reason that he came here and, uh, you know, didn't even take a call with the Knicks was because uh, the Spurs were willing to let him sort of be who he was um there was there was some changing his game a little bit that pop eventually backed off of um but when lamarcus aldridge was signing that contract he didn't want to be you know a stretch five and i think that if he had embraced that role a little earlier um you know there's there's no telling how much that could have helped the spurs but you know the the way that he has played for the Spurs in the last year offensively. Um, You know, if, if the Spurs had that version of LaMarcus Aldridge uh, when he could still, um, you know, jump and rebound and play a little bit of defense uh, things could have gone a little bit differently, but I think you're right that Spurs fans um, should look back on, on Aldridge's time here as, uh, special in its own way, and his leadership has definitely um, been a, a good thing for these young guys to be around um, as as they're learning to be pros. Like you look at so many lists of like active players, uh, and it's it's like Aldridge and LeBron. If it's like you know, blah, point points and rebounds, something yeah. like that. Um, he's he's one of the leading. I, I believe he's one of the top 10 scorers in Spurs history, uh, if I'm not mistaken, even though he's not been here for very long and some very talented people have have played here. Um, you, you brought up Pau Gasol and we sort of saw the accelerated like, Pau Gasol path, downfall with Lamarcus Aldridge, right? Just as he's figuring out that three ball, just as he's making that, adjustment to prolong his career the legs go and and he becomes a complete liability on defense I don't think that whatever team he winds up on he's going to be a starter um I I think where he wants to be is uh you know a team that's in pretty legitimate contention this year playing as like you know the seventh guy um but you know could he have done that here? Yes. Um, but I, I think it got to a point where he wouldn't have been satisfied playing that role here. And because of that, you know, Spurs didn't want to play him as, as the starter. Yeah. Um, and it became time to part ways. And I think it was surprising that pop made this announcement, not because Aldridge has played really well, right. Cause he hasn't. Um, and Pirtle has ascended. Pirtle has, you know, made himself a viable starter in this league, and um,
1: and very quickly. How much were you thinking, uh oh, when Pirtle twisted his ankle? He's totally fine. It was just like maybe we need Lamarcus after all, right? Like, I mean, that's like what the Spurs, I mean, you were like, like, I was thinking the Spurs fans, like, this is why you need big depth, okay? Because Drew Eubanks is about to be the only big you got.
0: You, you need depth if you're the Spurs. Uh, I don't think you need LaMarcus Aldridge, though. Um, yeah. And that became clear as, as the season was going. Um, and the surprising part was that, you know, even though that was clearly the case, nobody expected anybody to do anything about it. It's, it's the kind of thing where, you know, like, you're not happy, your girl's not happy, but you're just not going to talk about it. And you're just going to not be happy until circumstances bring you apart, you know. Um, and so, in sort of this ripping off the bandaid of saying we're moving on without him, uh, these are the guys that we have, and we're going to, you know, refocus around that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's definitely a an inflection point for this team, um, and it was it was a particularly ironic one because. Exactly a year before, the Spurs played the Mavericks. The Spurs beat the Mavericks behind 24 points and four blocks from LaMarcus Aldridge. Mm -hmm. And then that was the last game that they played before the hiatus. Um, A year later, they announced before the game, no LaMarcus Aldridge. They play the Mavs, uh, and they waste a 30-point performance from DeMar DeRozan in that game. Uh, and, and fall to the Mavericks as Luka Doncic and Christoph Porzingis seem to hit everything. Um, you know, that that was wh- yeah. what were your big takeaways from that game, if any?
1: Well, the big one was losing uh second chance points 21 to 2, and mm-hmm. that was that was a difference. Uh, the Spurs look, um, more, I I forget the numbers on Derek White and DeJounte Murray, but it was one of the worst that you're going to find this year where uh, they just – it was a terrible percentage where both of them were extremely off. Derek White said that that was his first five-on-five experience post-COVID that yeah. he didn't even run in looked like it. Yeah, and he looked terrible. And, you know, so that's why you take that performance with a grain of salt, zipping forward because we can just a few games later. I mean, uh, he looked – tremendous at, at points here uh, throughout these, these past three games uh, looks like he's getting his swagger back. Not perfect, but, but it's coming. So. Yeah. I yeah, mean, this he, is
0: his third time working his way back into the rotation this yeah. year.
1: Yeah. And, so and he like, went after yeah. about that and he's like, man, this sucks. <laughs> but, yeah,
0: But <laughs> It does suck. And you know. especially considering he was one of their best, he, he was their best two-way player in the bubble last year. Yeah. Um,
1: so, you know, they, the, the big thing in the offseason that the Spurs need to address is how to clean up the boards, defensively speaking. The def- making sure other teams do not crash the offensive glass has been a constant issue. Um, I give a lot of credit to DeJounte and Keldon who worked their buns off to make sure that those are as clean as possible. But having said that, it really is a tall task for them to do that and be huge parts of the offense as well and to make things happen. It, it takes a toll on your body. And you might say, well, where's Jakob Purtle?" Well, guess what? What does Jakob Purtle do so well? Protect the rim. When he's protecting the rim, he's going vertical. He's off the ground. He can't also retain the rebound. So it's just an effort thing. And they need to find somebody who's going to protect the glass for them in the off season and make that a point of emphasis because it does, you know, certain games here, it just really stands out more than others. And that Dallas game was just like, you know, whether they didn't have the legs underneath them or not, but they just got eviscerated on, on the defensive glass. And because of it, that's why they lost beyond the fact that, you know, KP and, and Doncic got hot which was going to happen if they're able to do what they can do and limiting those second chance points, then they're right in that game and who knows where that's heading because DeMar was feeling it as well. So um, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, just first game back, they always, they always struggle against the Mavs. And in that first half they were able to limit the three ball and then that stopped. And also the Spurs got ice cold, Rudy Gay, awful. Um, A lot of these guys coming back from the COVID stuff, awful. And that's just to be expected. So I don't know how much weight to put in that. And, um, you know, to Rudy and Patty and all those guys, to their credit, um, they played that magic game, started off like crap, and then boom, just kind of just just crushed Orlando, just sucked the soul right out of their bodies.
0: We'll, we'll get into Orlando in a second. And I, I think, uh, you know, that Vucevic, a lot of eyes on him in that game from Spurs fans. Uh Porzingis was a tough matchup for Pirtle uh, because, you know, in addition to like you said, he has to protect the rim. If Porzingis is out shooting a three and he's running out there, then it leaves you weak on the glass. Mm -hmm. Um, I did see some people uh, intimate that LaMarcus Aldridge would have helped, which made me laugh heartily. No. Uh, I assure you he would not have Uh, if you'd seen the defensive tape on him, if you've seen the many compilations of pictures of him contesting a three point shot with both <laughs> feet planted in the paint. <laughs> uh, even, even that, uh, I mean the last Dallas game when he was defending Doncic in the, in the final seconds on a, on a drive, uh, and just got dropped off for an easy bucket, you know, um, the Dallas had their way that night, but they would have had a feast if Lamar Aldridge was playing defense for yeah. 25 minutes. Um, and then in the next game, um, the the other team's big man played really well. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, rumored trade target for the Spurs, um, and I mean he shot the lights out. And you, I saw you yeah. talking about Jakob Pertl, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of other people did too. But when I went back and watched the tape, I don't know, I don't know what you saw, but looking at the tape, Pertl played. It awesome defense
1: he was yeah it wasn't wasn't as bad it wasn't as bad as i thought watching it the first and like a lot of times that's why you got to watch it back um i think probably was me being a little bit biased coming off of the last performance where i thought he he didn't handle the perimeter well it is a weakness for Yacht to get out in the perimeter i think i think his strategy is i'm going to give you that shot sometimes he makes it a little too easy on you to get your shot like I mean, go back to that like the Memphis series when Jang is out there and, you know, you can call it what it is and say, hey, I'd rather him take those shots. And that's fine. But you can't just like leave him like 10 feet of space, six feet of space. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you can't leave him wide open. I I need you to contest a little bit. And sometimes I feel like he just doesn't get far enough in that contest because he's, you know, he's like a gravitational pull to the paint. And mm-hmm. so there, I think with Yak and his development and where he's going to shine, it's just finding that balance of where you got to trust yourself to kind of get back in the paint and you'll be fine versus just saying, I'm going to like, let them get a free shot off. Um, yeah. Because on, a, on some guys, I'm cool with that. On guys, just, on guys like Vooch, on KP, you know, if Embiid would have played. Those guys, um, you have to you have to get out there and contest a little bit. You do. You have to make it a little bit uncomfortable and rely on your teammates to, to step up a little bit and help you out because you got the toughest matchup.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree that it's definitely, um, you know, a, a weaker point of his game defending on the perimeter. But I don't think you can point to a single seven foot one guy in league history that hasn't struggled a little bit on the perimeter. I like totally. the way he moves his feet. Um, you know, his his switchability isn't perfect, but uh, you know, there are times when he holds his own better than I would expect a player his size to. Yep. Um, and in this matchup with Vooch, I mean, Vooch shot 12-18 from the floor. And it, there was one play, I think, where he made Yak look bad. The rest of them, it's a good contest, and the shot's just not missing. Um, yeah, but
1: he's, he's, he's a great shooter. You know, he's an all-star he's, for a reason.
0: All-star for a reason, but one of the reasons – he's an all-star for a couple of reasons. One, that he's a very good basketball player. Uh, but two, he's playing on a crap team yeah. in Orlando. Uh, they came into that game 13-23. and 23, Um and in that game, and, and, uh, and by the way, they were
1: like half the roster was injured or yes. out, I should say.
0: So yes. I mean,
1: the Spurs also got a, re- you, you got including um, Aaron Gordon,
0: feed. Fournier, Ross. Yeah, this was a must win game. Like, like yeah. if, if the Spurs didn't figure things out after losing the first quarter, 29 to 16, this would have been their worst loss of the season by a wide margin. Thankfully it's a 40 minute eight-minute game and they did figure it out and completely stomp them in the final three quarters. Um, but Vooch, 12-18 from the floor, his teammates, 17 of 62. Ugh. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah. Like and and part of this was the Spurs playing good defense, and part of it was the magic stink. Uh, it was it was the kind of game where um, you know, you don't, you don't really take too much of a grandiose take away from it. Uh, even without DeMar DeRozan, this was a game the Spurs should have won handily, and they did. Uh, Rudy Gay, big game in this one. 19 points, uh, two blocks, hitting threes, playing good defense. Uh, Derek and DeJounte bounce back, each have 17. Um, and, you know, just... Uh, very much a take care of business game yeah. against and, and I, probably the worst team in the East.
1: And I want to say this too. Um, a lot of people, you know, entering that game, right. It, you have to limit your takes. Okay. Like you win 104 to 77. Now you hold any team to 77. I don't care if their whole bench is playing and they don't got a single starter. Like these are NBA players. So you holding a team to 77 is impressive. I give you credit for that. Now, I'm not saying that the Spurs are the best team in the West because they beat the Orlando Magic 104-77 to with a depleted roster. You have to look at that in, in a grander's perspective. And that's always my, my biggest takeaway also from that game was like, hey, they did what they were supposed to do. They probably did better than what they were supposed to do. The spread was like eight points, and they, they just completely blew them out. So, you know, I think the Spurs did better than expected. Having said that, first game without DeMar DeRozan, they scored 104 points against a depleted roster. So we continually see this when DeMar is out, the offense is not putting up a lot of points and, you know, we'll get to the game against, against Detroit a little bit, but um, Detroit was essentially an outlier performance where, you know, I think they were like 66, they had a 66% effective field goal percentage when you factor out, you know, when they pulled all the starters, pulled all the starters and whatnot. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. you know, we'll get to that. The, cause the Philly game was an outlier in the other direction,
0: right? And and the Philly game came right on the heels of this Magic game. And yeah, like like you said with the Magic, like they beat them by twenty seven. Cool. Should they have beaten them by fifty? Probably. Uh, <laughs> do they suck because they didn't? No. Uh, then they move on from the worst team in the East to the best in Philadelphia. And they did not need DeMar DeRozan to beat the Magic, but uh, they very clearly needed him uh, to have any hope against that Sixers team, which is clicking right now. Uh, and they fell way short, lost by 35, managed only 90, 99 points. Uh, and, I mean, the basically the second half of this one was garbage time.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, there's – we, we, we've mentioned this in the past before, right? You can think about the Golden State Warriors game on the road. You can think about the Utah Jazz and the AT&T Center. There are certain games that come to mind where I don't care. I, you know, I said this on air. I don't care if Michael Jordan was on the damn Spurs that night. They were losing that game. The Sixers the, – Danny Green opened the game up with 13 points in the first quarter, and that was like his fifth highest offensive output of the season.
0: All right. I so, knew that game was going straight to hell as soon as Danny Green hit his first shot off the dribble. Like yeah. it was it was like a floater. And I was like, oh no, yeah. that can't be good. Like and if if Spurs, Danny Green is doing that tonight, yeah. it's not the Spurs night.
1: And, and Spurs fans know Danny Green very well. Once in a blue moon, he's gonna have a night where he's cooking. And like yeah, just I, straight up, heat check after heat check. And unfortunately for the Spurs, that was that night. But, you know, even beyond that, the Spurs battled like heck that first half to just keep it. I mean, they kept it within eight points in that first half. The defense was not good at all. Very uncomfortable. And um, it was mostly because they weren't taking care of the ball. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not like they were turning the ball over an egregious amount it was the fact that every turnover resulted in points for the Sixers. It was just like, I think they had like seven turnovers in the the first half. It was something like that. It wasn't a crazy number, but it was like almost all those turnovers resulted in points on the opposite end. So that was the big concern in the first half. So it was like, hey, if you can just limit the turnovers, I think you have a chance. But I mean, there was no Sixer on that court that was missing. There was just none, you know? And that was the thing is that, and that's what happens sometimes with the Spurs, right? There's a ripple effect where sometimes you have a bad defensive possession and they make a shot and then they have a good defensive possession and they make a shot and then you're missing a shot and it just becomes this ripple effect of, oh, no, we're playing badly. We got to, you know, press and we got to press. And it's just start – you start interweaving good and bad together and it, it just – I mean, you know, they were making all their shots. Spurs weren't making anything. Pop had a back-to-back in the, in the back of his mind and just waved in the, the, white, the white flag when they were down like 25 halfway through the third, which I think was the right move, especially with how jumbled the second half of the season is going. You, you weren't winning that game. The writing was right. on the wall. Get the young guys some, some playing time, which no one really stepped up in my mind in the garbage time. Uh, I, th- I think Eubanks probably the most. Um, I, he's really been coming on strong lately. And I think that's the one bright spot. Um, And Lonnie had a really good first half against the Sixers. I think Derek White had a really good first half against the Sixers. So those were some positives.
0: So Lonnie, 15 points in that game, 6 of 7 from the floor. uh, And he only played 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what it came down to was by the time he would have gotten back in in the second half, the game was already over. Correct. and one thing that Pop did in this game in the absence of DeMar DeRozan that I thought was interesting was he started Trey Lyles, uh, and he seemed to do so with, you know, the express instruction of, hey, you're guarding Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that individual pursuit, I think he did an all right job in, you know, the time he was on the court. Uh, but he, he produced nothing offensively. Um, you know, he, he's not a dynamic scoring talent. Right. He's he's a good complimentary piece. He can attack off the catch. He can space the floor. Um, But, uh, you know, I I saw a lot of people dumping on him specifically after the game, which I thought was interesting because, like, they got their butts kicked. The entire team did. Yeah. Um, But the next game, uh, Pop makes a change and puts Lonnie Walker in the starting lineup. And we saw that work uh, very effectively against the Pistons. I think.
1: And and Trey is going to be in the doghouse for a little bit. Um, I, I have to probably post. I, I should have posted it to Twitter. There was a play where Trey just lost his guy to the three point line. It was it was a wide open three, and he immediately pop signal to the bench. It was like one one and a half to two minutes right into the third quarter, and he was like, "Nope, Rudy." it's your time now. And, um, I don't think Trey, I think uh, as far as the Ben Simmons stuff goes was did his job and it was, was great there. I think what pissed pop off the most was just the, the team stuff where he wasn't locked in that he was miss. He mm-hmm. just, you know, physical mistakes and all that stuff you can handle the mental mistakes. You can't like, that's, that's the stuff that needs to be like, that's, that's inexcusable. And, um, yeah, so I, I have a feeling he's in a little bit of the doghouse because I, I don't even think he sniffed minutes against against the, the Pistons, did he? No, no,
0: like, I don't think so. Yeah, so, um, you know, I'll, I'll pull I up that out? box score here, but
1: we're on Trey Lyles' doghouse watch right now after that that Sixers performance and Pop on the sidelines being visibly upset after a couple of of uh, miscues from him.
0: And I like Trey, man. I like the way he fits with this, with this young core. I think he could be a productive piece. I mean, we were talking about rebounding earlier, right? Like last year, he was a, a solid rebounder for this team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really spacing the floor better this year. He's attacking off the catch better this year. Um, and I think he's defending better this year. But, you know, you're right that there were some communication and focus things that went wrong in that game. And, um, you know, you could say that it's tough to develop that if you're not playing much, which he hasn't been. Um, but uh, in in the game the next night against the Pistons, Lonnie Walker starts, plays well, uh, and the Spurs get a uh, a blowout win that wound up looking a little bit closer after the Pistons ended the game on like a 12-0 run in garbage time. Yeah. Um, but uh, second win in the past two tries on the second game of a back-to-back?
1: Well, they did They did the second game of a back-to-back in reverse, right? Usually yes. they win the first end and then they get crushed on the second end. This time they got crushed on the first end and then and then really stepped up on the back end. So um, right. really weird stretch to watch the Spurs right now because we're so accustomed to them playing really tight games. I mean, very rarely do we have games where it's a blowout and you're like, ah, or like the blowout and you're like, well, screw this, uh, you know, I could stop watching now. Um, And we've had three straight games of blowout, 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 two and one for San Antonio in their favor. So just that's a weird experience. Um, They're usually just like always down to the wire. Um, But yeah, um, you know, Detroit just all around solid effort. I think we saw Lonnie Walker really showcase his ability to potentially play a DeMar DeRozan type role in the offense as an initiator, as a low key, amazing passer. We've brought that up many times before on the big fun pod that the guy is an exceptional passer. He just doesn't have opportunities to really showcase it. And the one pass that you were talking about and you had fun with like, (laughs) as he dreams about it right now, brings himself back Mm -hmm. into that moment. You know, Lonnie fumbles the ball is in midair, then whips around the defenders back to get, Drew Eubanks, the the easy bucket. That's elite. That's that's an elite play.
0: Yeah. I, so, I I've said for about Lonnie for a long time. It's um, a guy with tremendous athletic ability, mm-hmm. tremendous physical gifts, really incredible talent in terms of playing the game of basketball. Um, and part of the reason that he hasn't applied all of that to his production so far is opportunity and another part is learning he's still he's 22 years old he's learning the game right Mm -hmm. um but when i asked him about that play after the game you know i was like when did you know you were going to do that and he said as soon as he knew drew eubanks would be open which was once he beat uh jeremy grant who's a great defender on the perimeter the, the way that whole play worked, right. Lonnie comes around a screen from Drew Eubanks Mm -hmm. catches it at the arc with Jeremy Grant coming around the screen, trying to contest little fake to the side. Grant bites on it. He goes the other way around. Grant leaves him in the dust as he gets, you know, tapped on the elbow from behind as he's going up with it. So, so he knows there, all right, I'm going to pass this thing to drew and it it was about a, a second between then and when he you know threw it and most of it he spent me there right yeah um the degree of difficulty uh is staggering but the thing that impressed me the most was the quick decision and the correct one right because you know that's that split second that's right there you you've got to just feel it and do it um and his feel for the game is really improving. He said he's watching a ton of film. Um, you know, he's he's working hard to understand matchups, understand personnel, uh, read what the defense gives him, and then take it. Um, and so that's one of the reasons that I kind of chuckled at everybody putting him in the, the trade machine for Vooch uh, a week ago, uh, because this guy still has so much more to accomplish. Um, you know, it's, it's really potent flashes, right. And it's, it's always with him just about consistency, right. Um, and I, I think that we're going to see him continue to develop that consistency as the year goes on, I think probably off the bench um, is, is probably the best yeah. fit for him, as we've discussed on this show numerous times. Um, but you, you mentioned sort of the DeMar role and that's that's another reason why I, I think holding on to Lonnie Walker and continuing to see what you can get out of his growth makes sense because, you know, we don't know if DeMar DeRozan will be back in a Spurs uniform next year. I don't know if Brian Wright knows that. Yeah. Um, if, if he is, Lonnie plays really well off him. And if he's not, you need a guy uh, that has that X factor that um, you know. Re- they'll need they'll need a bunch more uh, production from a lot of people to make up for the loss of Demar Derozan if if that's what winds up happening in the summer here. Um, but Lonnie Cannon should be a, an important piece of this team moving forward. Um, his shooting has been. Really great this season. Uh, he's he's been one of the team's most accurate three point shooters so far this year. Um, the ath- the athleticism we always knew about, but you know it's he's increasing that efficiency, right? Um, he's he's shooting thirty six percent from three this season, which you know could probably go up a little bit, but I mean that's that's solid floor spacing from a guy who a lot of people doubted that uh earlier in his career um and i'm just excited to watch him continue to grow
1: yeah i think um look on someone when, when throwing out deals out there there's one guy i got to part with it's lonnie but i always use the disclaimer i still love lonnie's game and his ceiling has a high floor i'm uh, sorry his floor has a high like a high mark he's got a high floor high ceiling so as I always say, worst-case scenario, he's a 3-and-D guy, and that still has a, a very significant role on a championship-winning team. So um, go, going beyond that, um, the Spurs have, have been fluctuating. And I do want to quickly mention Devin Vassell against Detroit. Fantastic game. Wonderful game. He was pumped to be back. Um, I think he
0: had three threes and two dunks, both of the dunks off of Rudy Gay blocks. Yep. Uh, that was a very – Effective play strategy for the Spurs.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, Rudy, outside of that Mavericks game, has looked great. Um, you know, for the most part, uh, he he still has some juice left in the tank. Of course, if the Spurs can get something of of value for Rudy, I'm sure they would pull trigger on it. Having said that, it doesn't really make much sense to give Rudy away for peanuts. Might as well keep him. He's been an amazing right. part of his team, and he helps you get to the postseason so you know i get it people want to see shamanich and i want to see more shamanich too but that doesn't mean that like rudy gay is a bad player and that doesn't mean that just because rudy gay has a bad game doesn't mean that you go oh see rudy pull him you know that's not how real life no. works it's how people you know sit in the couch and think but popovich has to manage his guys and he's not going to just you know say hey rudy you know, go ride pine because you're having a bad game, you know, but um, even beyond that, I I think now is is an important time to talk about what happens with San Antonio and the potential trade rumors out there for LaMarcus Aldridge, because the trade deadline is coming and the Spurs have about a week to figure out whether or not they're going to be able to get a trade or they're going to have to buy LaMarcus out.
0: Right. Um, And the reports are kind of all over the place on this one, right? Um, we've got like, oh, there are five, team in- five teams interested in-, in doing a trade. So a buyout seems less likely. And then, oh, well, actually, uh, trades are looking kind of tough. So it'll probably be a buyout. And, you know, it's classic CIA pop and the Spurs. Nobody knows what's going on. Um, there was a lot of smoke and chatter about the heat. Uh, today, they traded Myers Leonard in a second round pick to oklahoma city for trevor Riza uh the Heat still have pieces to get the deal done uh but mark stein from the new york times is reporting that uh they're expected to be hoping for a buyout and hoping to win that race if it comes down to it um so are, are you hearing anything you got you got any any uh any my, chatter you're picking my, up
1: my <laughs> it was really funny i think um when, all, when the LaMarcus Aldridge news came out, my first instinct was, oh, we're heading towards a buyout. Um, and then like I, I formed a tweet. I said, because of the money, it's going to be really tough to find a suitor for LaMarcus Aldridge. Not saying the teams can't get it done, but why would you trade that much or make the money work when you can just test them out in the buyout market? Then as I send that tweet, whoa, just is like, Spurs are confident they'll be able to find a trade. So when when Woj drops that tweet, my tweet becomes no and void. But having right. now now we're a week out from that, and I'm like, uh, I think I think I might have been right. I think I might be closer to right here, you know. And, and maybe Woj is talking with Brian, right? Because guess what? If I'm the GM of the Spurs, I'm telling Woj, oh, we got we got tons of interest. We're, we're trading this guy.
0: Right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know.
1: So that's just that's just the song and dance of of executives using the media for their own, you know, for their own story, that tale is old as time. Um, I still, my gut, my gut believes in a buyout. I just, I don't know why another team would give up anything of value, even if it's, um, you know, what, uh, Akpala or whoever the, the, the Heat would have to give up, why you give up even that for a guy who, who's gone? The Spurs said he's gone and we know he's going to be gone. So unless the Spurs can create a deal and pit one team versus one another to say, Hey, we're going to pull trigger over here. If you don't step up to the plate and get it done. So this is your chance to get him. And then you have to wonder if that other team is that interested in LaMarcus to say, you know what? You're right. I'm going to step up to the plate and get it done. So
0: all I think the- that was the design, right? right. That had to be the design of coming out and saying that, you know, you were working on this. Uh, like, I think the goal was to start a bidding war, right? Yeah. And I don't know how much of that they're actually seeing. Um, so it's, there, there are a couple of teams that can make it work financially. Um, the Baltimore, Celtics have that, Miami. yeah, Celtics have that huge trade exception. Uh, the question is whether they want to use it on uh, a guy who, like, like they could use it on a player with more years on his contract. Yeah. Um, so, and also Brad Stevens seems to be going away from two big lineups. So unless they traded like a, you know, Tristan Thompson or some, something like that, um, I, I don't see it making the most sense for them. Um, but in terms of why you would give up anything for this guy, um, if it gets to a buyout, obviously you, you lose control. It's, yep. it's wherever he wants to go. Mm-hmm. And if the contract gets bought out, which let's be honest, I don't, I don't have to pay for it. You don't have to pay for it. Nobody listening to this has to pay for it unless, you know, the whole family is listening to this.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and I, they probably don't. Um, you know, it would be an agreement for probably less than the rest of the contract is worth, right? That's how these things usually go. Um, and it would have no impact on the future cap situation, right? Like Lamarcus Aldridge's expiring contract. Uh, is it's expensive this year? Sure. Uh, and then it goes off the books completely as soon as the season's over. Um, I think the Spurs really value that cap space. Um, I think they're going to have some interesting ways to try to spend it this summer. Mm -hmm. Um, so if, you know, if they wind up buying him out, um, it, it really wouldn't be the worst, uh, thing to happen for the Spurs. Obviously you'd love to get something in return. Anything of value in return, and and um,
1: bring up the whole family. I, I want to say this: it was a clear directive to be under the luxury tax, right? They're yeah that much under. I mean, a sliver. So also know this: that when you have, when you're going to have the Lamarcus Aldridge trade, the Spurs cannot take any more money, even if it's an expiring contract, to go over that mark. That's a no go. Um, beyond that, there might be some interest from the Holtz to say, if we can make some more money back on that, like if if Lamarcus is going to give us three, four million dollars to get bought out, whatever it might be, it was a it was a rough year for us. We'll take that money. And he might and they might say to to Brian Wright, look, if you can get a good deal, go get the deal. But having said that, if you're not getting a great deal, we're not in love with the pieces. I'll take the money. I'll take the extra money. We'll come to a deal. See you later, LaMarcus, go choose your location. You know, thank you for your time in San Antonio. I I think that's a part of it. You know, Uh, you got to remember that, you know, the Spurs aren't um, this large market team. I, I, you know, I'm not here to tell you that NBA owners should be crying. woe is me, you know, with the amount of money they make and, you know, uh, with the amount of people in America struggling right now, Um, having said that each, each, situation is relative to that individual so in a relative situation not taking this beyond the means of of america but just talking about the holts there might be some interest to just get some extra money back because i don't think you're going to get anything else in return that is going to be sexy enough to say boom like we just added a good piece um right you're gonna get pennies on the dollar and you know
0: I, I saw a Kyle Korver shout out post today. Uh, his second round pick that was used on him was traded for cash, which was used on a summer league entry fee and a new copy machine. <laughs> um, you know, like the, it, it re- like you said, it's relative. It comes down to, is this better than the alternative? Right. Um, and a buyout for the Spurs on the court would have no impact. Uh, you know, we, we like the group we have and we're rolling with them. Um, and, you know, for, for ownership, it's it's the potential to save some money. Um, there, there has been a good deal of criticism from fans uh, that this is another example of the Spurs holding on to a player too long. And, you know, the, the whole like Spurs family thing being almost a detriment to doing the basketball business thing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's fair? And do you think that that's a trade-off that the Spurs are happy to make?
1: I don't look. I'm, I'm a guy that I appreciate trust, honesty, and respect. And, I, you know, I'm sorry. I like the way the Spurs do their business. You know, I, I think, they, you know, we live – business can be ruthless, and I get it. Um, go talk to DeMar DeRozan about that. Having said that, um, there, there should be a level of respect. Talk to any of those players, and almost all of them, even even a guy like Kawhi Leonard who, who didn't leave town because of, of pop. He left town because we all know he just wanted to be home. Uh, I think that's the, the greater – picture here that he wanted to be back in in la and and be in california they all have a great respect uh for pop and what the spurs do um you know that's why when the Kawhi stuff came out i found it laughable that people were blaming the spurs when the spurs have built an entire resume of respect and admiration from from former players and yeah pop has butted heads with a bunch of bunch of guys sometimes his teaching style is not going to work with other people. Um, But when it comes to business, they are doing right by LaMarcus. And I I think they should do right by LaMarcus. I don't think there was any value to be gained by being ruthless. I just don't. And I don't see why you got to leave on bad terms. I don't think that the Spurs were going to get anything remarkable. These same fans, by the way, who, who will complain about how the Spurs do business are the ones that, you know, crap on LaMarcus on the same social media forum. And it's like, do you, do you think that um, other, you know, other GMs who are way smarter than all of us don't know this? You know, you you tell me all the time about how bad LaMarcus Aldridge is, and then you expect LaMarcus Aldridge to get this big trade return? What? Yeah. What? I don't get the logic behind that is always insane to me. So I'm cool with how the Spurs do business. I, I support them. I, I love the fact that they're doing right by LaMarcus because in this instance um, – I don't think there really there was much out there for them to lose out on, you know. Demar Derozan, if they're looking for a trade with Demar, they're holding that very close to the vest. They're obviously trying to field calls and figure that out. Um, and and a guy like Demar, a guy, uh, even a guy like Rudy, has value to another team to where I think you can get something, but you don't have to trade them. And that's where the Spurs always lie. And guess what? The Spurs suffer from the fact that they are so successful that people respect them so much that whenever the Spurs are trying to do a deal with you, you're afraid you're getting ripped off. That you are doing something dumb by trading with the Spurs because they're smarter than you. Because of And also
0: you don't want to help them because they've been kicking your butt.
1: Yeah you know, that, that too, that, you know, they spent 20 plus years in the NBA, just whooping you. And, um, you know, you, you kind of take a little bit of pleasure that they're, they're not at the top anymore. So, you know, we can call that, we can call that dumb if a team's going to factor that into the equation, um, versus helping their team out. We see that all the time in fantasy sports as well. Like I offer a trade to somebody and they're saying no, because they're just afraid to do a deal with me. And it's like, well, is your team going to get better or, or I'm sorry, like, yeah, this isn't about me. This is about your team. So, you know, that's right. stubbornness and I'm sure that exists, but yeah, I, I, you know, it is what it is. I'm really more excited to see what, what happens next year with the cap, as you mentioned, and whether the, whether the Spurs get, get creative. And, you know, I think, I think you're seeing some creativity in the NFL right now to make some deals happen with the cap. I think, uh, I think the Spurs might might uh, take a trade out of their playbook in a reverse sense very possible that maybe they restructure some deals for guys like DeJounte, for Derek, guys that are signed. Maybe they front load them now. Maybe they say, hey, let's go to you. Let's pay you more this upcoming year if things don't work out in free agency. And um, we're going to clear mo- most of your money off the books so that the next couple of years, we got even more cap space to work for. And we can, we can make more of a killing because we paid you up front. So, you know, those are just some tangent thoughts. But yeah, I'm...
0: I'm imagining the Spurs fan reaction to San Antonio's big offseason move being restructuring a couple of contracts and I'm just laughing in my head. Yeah. Um but you know, I I think that you're you're right that there wasn't much to be gained by going cutthroat here. If you, if somebody wants to argue they should have traded Aldridge last year, fine. I, you know, I I would have been uh not not the most upset about that at that point. Um, but I I think that it goes beyond the guys in the room, right? The whole like Spurs family thing, you know, we're gonna do right by you as a person, which by the way, got totally dragged through the mud with the Kawhi thing, right? Um, like like people were talking grimy stuff about san antonio yeah uh and that's not how they do things and um you know the the fact that they respect these guys as as people and not just you know numbers on a spreadsheet that they can you know relocate across the country at a whim uh if if it'll help their bottom line on the quarter off um other players see that other players see oh hey that's a team that treats players like human beings. That's pretty cool. That's something that's going out of style a little bit. I'm interested in that. Um, and, you know, just just sort of wrapping up, I guess, with the group that they do have. Um, we we always, you know, hear and joke, we like the group we have. Um, but you've got very talented young players. You've got... Um, a good mix of productive veterans in a star in DeMar DeRozan and a bench sharpshooter in Patty Mills. And like, I mean, I'm still caught up on how impressive Rudy Gay has been this year. Um, You know, post Achilles, post COVID he's in what, like his 15th season.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, And, and he still looks like 2k Rudy Gay out there um and you know i i think that more than what you're seeing on the most of what you're seeing on the court is a byproduct of these guys just love being around each other they love they love playing the game together but i think they they also just genuinely love uh the camaraderie and that's something that they've been building you know really strongly since the bubble last year um so I think these guys um, are on a really solid path here um, and it's going to be a grueling stretch for the rest of the season. But as Pirtle continues to grow into that starting role, as Lonnie continues to get his feel for the game, DeMar comes back, DeJounte continues his like most improved spur season. Derek White gets back into the mix fully and you know, Gets, gets really confident and comfortable. We haven't even mentioned Keldon Johnson today. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, these guys, it's, it's a bunch of dudes. Bunch of dudes out there. And more than that, it's a, it's a family of them. So uh, I think that it's important for the people in that room that uh, the Spurs are trying to do right by LaMarcus here. And I think it's also important for all the players outside that room who may one day want to be a part of it.
1: I I agree. And as we pull up the schedule here, we got, man, as we were talking before we started this podcast, man, games are coming and going. It's like, you know, you're trying to like figure it out like that that Mavericks game, like felt like a year ago. Yeah. Uh, They got got the bulls tonight. This is uh, of course we're, we're speaking on a Wednesday, uh, they get the Cavs on Friday. They get the Bucks on Saturday. They get the Hornets on Monday as they return home for one game, and then they go back on the road. Or, so, oh, I'm wrong. I read that wrong. That's when they have the nine-game homestand. Um, so yeah. So then they come back home to play the Hornets, and then they play the the Clippers for that that back-to-back um, mm. as they have that that long home trip before another couple of roadies. Along the way, what what do you want to see, Tom? uh, During this this, the end here of this this road stretch, Uh, I know personally, I'm a little bit worried about that Bucks game on Saturday.
0: I'm I'm less worried about the Bucks game because I'm already at peace with the result I expect. (laughs) You know, like like why worry?
1: I'm cool with that.
0: (laughs) Right. Um. I'm I'm genuinely like, like if we're if we're talking about games, I'm worried about. I'm not worried about the Milwaukee one because if they lose that one, whatever. If they lose to the Bulls tonight, and the Bulls are on a second night of a back-to-back after Zach Levine scored forty,
1: yeah, forty birds literally
0: last night. Which uh,
1: I love the Johnson by the way, at, telling him on on Instagram to be like, "Yo, take the night off, man.
0: He deserves. Right. He should. He he absolutely should ice those knees down. Um, but." Yeah, a a, uh, a loss in that game would be a loss in this game would be pretty catastrophic. Uh, a loss to the Bucks would be a loss to the Bucks. Yeah. Um, Cleveland as well. You need to kick the crap out of Cleveland.
1: Um, yeah, that's that's my big thing. Is look, win the Cleveland game. Whatever happens, whatever happens against the Bucks happens. You know, this tonight is a 50-50 game. Bulls are are not a team that you can just run through. They they
0: the know, Bulls are favored tonight.
1: Yeah, I don't get that. Mm-hmm. That always worries me too. Um Look, that you know, here's the thing with with the Spurs. It just what out they don't score. I think one time since Demar Derozan has been out, they've scored more than 105 points. Um I, Sorry, I think I think that number is now twice after the Detroit game, Um which. I can then change it to only once they scored more than 110. Their, their team average is around 111. So only once they scored more than team average without DeMar DeRozan. So going into the night, you can probably expect the Spurs to score around 100 to 107. And it's going to come down to whether the, the Spurs can hold the Bulls to like 95 to 100. And that, that's yep. going to be the game right there. You know, the Spurs are going to win tonight. It's going to be 106 to 101. Like, that's, that's going to be the score.
0: But you know what? I, I feel so much more confident in their ability to hold another team under 100 points with Jakob Perl in that starting lineup. Um, you know, I, I think that this team has really built a, a defensive identity, um, and it's, it's been really fun to watch. Um, one yeah. last thing on on yeah. DeMar. Um, you know, obviously the Spurs miss him on the court. Um, obviously they are uh, better when he plays. Um, you know, I, as somebody who uh, has, has lost a parent myself, um, you know, it's a, it's a really, I mean, he's, he's going through probably the worst month of his life. Um, you know, it's, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you do for a job um and so uh nothing but love and uh positive thoughts to demar and his family um and you know you know every guy in that locker room is telling them take as much time as you need we'll hold it down um and uh i would say like 99% of people have been very supportive and understanding uh some people have started asking some weird questions and yeah. it's like you know, hey, give the guys some slack. Yeah. Uh, they're healing so much bigger than putting the round ball in the orange circle thing. So, um, you know, all all love to Demar Derozan, uh, and as as much as we can't wait to see him back out on the court, uh, it's it's very much something. Uh, more serious that he's dealing with right now. So, thoughts with Demar.
1: Well put, well put. We do we do love Demar for everything he does on the court, but I think honestly the stuff that he does off the court is way more important. Um, and his resume speaks for itself. the The respect and admiration from so many is 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 prevalent. So I, I'm really happy you brought that up. And Greg Popovich said that he does expect him back at some point during this road trip. It's not going to be in Chicago. So by you know by that account and by that quote we can expect him to play in cleveland or finish up in milwaukee um my my guess is he'll be back for cleveland um you know might as well travel to -to back-to-back you know to make it worth his while i mean if he's not back for cleveland might as well just tell him hey we'll meet you back home man you know just take the whole road trip off um but again that's i would have thought that originally if not for pop's quote so yeah. You know, I, th- I think that if he's not back for Cleveland, I think you can write him off and we'll see. You. We'll see you when we're home for the long homestand. So um, look, we got another exciting week of basketball. The Spurs still fully entrenched in the playoff picture. It's a battle in the Western conference. They're staying above water. The Spurs looking to win their first back-to-back game since the COVID suspension of play. They have not won back-to-back games since the team has returned to action after that stretch where they were rolling and and they, uh, they truck-sticked Charlotte there um, against the Hornets. So we'll see if they're able to pull that off. Uh, Tom, any, any final thoughts?
0: Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, to, tonight is a big game for them. I'm excited to see what Lonnie does after two consecutive games looking pretty locked in. Uh, he should start again tonight, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm expecting him to play pretty well if he does. Um, and you know, I, I think that really with this team moving forward, um, was uh Kirk Goldsberry, former spur front office guy, author. Now, um, he was, he was talking about what they'll do, you know, trade deadline and moving forward. And I thought it was a pretty good encapsulation of, you know, what this team does. He, he said, they're going to grow their own food. Right. Um, you know, they, they, they see all of these teams, um, you know, building in different ways and acquiring superstars and making big trades and big free agency things. Uh, and that seems to have only made the Spurs uh, want to double down on their strategy that has to work for them as a small market team, which is draft and develop and, um, you know, play as as a team um and i i think that this version of the spurs team that we're seeing right now especially in the officially post lamarcus aldridge era we've got the the clearest view of where this team is moving forward what their path is Um, so yeah i've i've got a about forty-five hundred words on how the Spurs uh, got past meeting LaMarcus Aldridge on Ken's Five site. Evan is crushing things on the TV side as always. Um, Evan, what's your what's your at? Where can people find you?
1: At Evan Klosky. Very simple. E-V-A-N-C-L-O-S-K-Y.
0: And uh, any anything big that you're working on coming up? I know we got the women's. Uh, NCAA tournament coming. Yeah. Um, you
1: know, uh, first, if you need a little help with your March Madness bracket, uh, pick Gonzaga, uh, I'm a Spokane guy, but analytically speaking, they're the best college basketball team since 2002 in the Ken Palm era. And, uh, you know, if you remember that Anthony Davis, Kentucky team, uh, was, was stacked. One of the best we've ever seen. And analytically speaking Gonzaga is better than that. So I'm expecting craziness. I don't know what the heck is going to happen, but I think, um, the clearest vision is Gonzaga winning the March Madness tournament. Um, having said that, we have um, a lot of, lot of local talent playing in the women's NCAA tournament here in San Antonio. The city of San Antonio will be hosting the entire women's tournament. And um, you know, coming soon, I, I think tomorrow, Thursday, uh, we'll be airing a story where I was able to talk with Melissa Smith from Baylor, Kiana Williams. Uh, at Stanford, you know, uh, Melissa was at East, nice. East Central, Kiana at Wagner, Amber Ramirez also was a teammate with wow. Kiana at Wagner. Uh, she's at Arkansas. Uh, Kyra Lambert at Texas. Uh, Sahara Jones is a freshman there at Texas A&M. Um, we just have uh, uh, Gabby Connolly at Georgia. So we have um, some unbelievable talent who are not only just in the tournament to be one and done. I mean, these girls are all competing for a national championship, and it's going to be fun to, to follow them as, well, it's going to be fun to follow the, uh, the local folks in the men's tournament. We got Jordan Burns at Colgate. Uh, he played for Marshall. He's an absolute stud. I don't think he's an NBA prospect, but I think he's going to have a really good career overseas. One of those dudes, uh, Kevin McCullough Jr., product of Wagner. He's at Texas Tech. And he's going to go up against Marco Anthony, who played at Holmes High School. He's at Utah State. And uh, Marco Anthony has already won a national championship. He was on Virginia's team in 2019. He then transferred to to Utah State. And we got Jalen Jackson over at North Texas, uh, just a sophomore. He doesn't play much, uh, but another Wagner product who we're going to be keeping our eyes on. So, um, man, I love the 2-1-0. We got a a lot of great talent on the big stage coming up. And uh, we're gonna be having a a ton of fun as you'll be watching a lot of the March Madness action on Ken's Five, leading up to the national championship on on April 5th, uh, the final four and the national championship also on Ken's
0: Five. You are an encyclopedia, man, damn. All right, Uh, anything else? And I'm just kidding, shut up, stop talking. No, but that's awesome. A, a lot of really talented uh, high school athletes come out of this area. So uh, thank you for highlighting them and, and bringing attention. And I'm, I'm certainly excited for uh, a little bit of March Madness here. Uh, my name again is Tom Petrini, at Real Tom Petrini on Twitter. There's a lot of fakes out there. Uh, hit me up with your trade ideas. And uh, you know if you want to talk heavy stuff, I'm there too. Message me. Um, Until next time, this has been the Big Fundamental Podcast from Ken's Five. My name's Tom Petrini, that's Evan Klosky, and uh, we'll see you next time. Go Spurs, go.